This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Welcome to episode four of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Eddie. My name is Pat. I'm Andy. And we invite you to come along as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries on Paranormal Dads. Episode four, Paranormal Dads. How you guys doing? I'm good. Nice. Doing good, man. I think we, uh, we, we, we've we found our rhythm. You know, we've gotten our stride down. Three shows under our belt, number four. This episode does not need more cowbell. Because <laughs> we found it. That's right. Yeah, episode four. We want to thank everybody for listening to us so far and all the encouragement we're getting. And we've all got, the- had a lot of good comments from people. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's been, it's been a great time. We invite you to join us, and please share us as well. Um, I guess with that, should we just launch right into recent sightings? Recent sightings. Let's it's, always, do it. it's always a segment we start out with at the beginning of the show as a way to catch people up to speed on things that have been going on, uh, recent sightings, uh, kind of current events, our way of catching you up to speed. Almost like the bottom ticker on the, on the news channel, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That would be awesome on our video. If we had a video podcast at the bottom you could just have a constant stream of recent, recent sightings. sightings oh yeah like a recent like oh bigfoot sighting in alabama three minutes ago that'd be awesome <laughs> hey maybe we can invent it and then a correction correction that's just eddie that's <laughs> just eddie it's <laughs> running, uncle frank running around <laughs> got to shave again all right recent sightings here we go so um this is my first stab at the recent sightings well, we tend to rotate the segments, so this was your pick of the bunch here. It is. And we, each different per, each person gets different types of homework for, for getting ready for the show. Right. It's not always the same thing you're looking at. You're looking at, instead of pop culture, you're looking at recent sightings, or you're looking at the main mystery. No one's getting stale on this show. That's right. <laughs> Keep us on our toes. We're working out all muscle groups. <laughs> What'd you pick this time, man? So, like I said to you guys in our pre-show, um, you know, we're all dads. And I thought it'd be kind of fun to center that around a common thing that we can all relate to as parents are the baby monitors. I love the baby monitors. So scary. And (laughs) mine's still in use. You guys' kids are a bit older. (laughs) Mine's been retired for quite a while. Yeah, Yeah. it's probably a different model, different making model. Yeah, they got got fancier now. Uh, But ours is still in use. uh, Mine and my wife, our, our daughter is three, and so... You know, it's getting to the point where we're about to cut the cord a little bit because yeah. she's, you know, when they get to the point where they're running into your room saying, Dada, you know, yeah. good morning. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I don't need a baby monitor. But yeah, it's, it's a video monitor. It still works. But there's something inherently creepy about them. And there are a lot of those creepy stories floating around the internet having to do with baby monitors. Yeah. So what'd you round up? Well, so with baby monitors, if you are um, uh, fortunate enough to have seen this movie, there's a movie out there called um, 
Not, I'm dying here. It was the... Um, Paranormal Activity? No, it was with the... De- that too. But it was with uh, Mel Gibson. It was M. Night Shyamalan. Signs. 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 They oh. used the baby monitor to follow the clicking sounds of the aliens. So the idea that baby monitors could kind of pick up weird sounds and, and images has been around for a long time, as long as there have been baby monitors. Um, so some of this stuff is... Where, like you were, like we've experienced before, you're picking up some other baby monitor, or even in some cases, like other signals on this thing. So there's a lot of that to take into account. These stories defy that explanation. Starting out, this person is a YouTube user named Jade Yates, and she posted video from a video baby monitor. I don't know, Pat. Did you have a video baby monitor? We did not. Yeah, we they, didn't. They, they were. Might have been coming onto the scene, but uh, they the quality probably wasn't there, and I'm sure the price was still beyond what we wanted to deal with. But yeah, it was pretty much still an audio game when yeah. our yeah. kids were growing you, up. You could have got the video one, but it would have been like the Rolls Royce of baby monitors, right? Yeah. right? It would have yeah. been, and it's like you know, it's kind of, we had to be old fashioned and check the baby with our eyes. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's kind of like anything else. The price always goes down, and the te- technology gets better. Remember gets when better. VCRs first came out, and it was oh, like yeah. two grand for a VCR? Oh. Yeah, my 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 phone's video camera is better than my Sony Handycam that, Isn't that, funny? that I bought. That, a few years ago. That we hunted yeah. for Bigfoots with. Yeah. yeah. So the, this uh, is a video baby monitor story. And so this YouTube user named Jade Yates posted this video where in her baby's room, where there were no toys that had any type of light capability, there was no baby mobiles, no um, windows open. They had the blackout curtains installed just so they could keep the room just nice and dark so the baby would stay asleep. Um, she had posted on YouTube this video of these specific kind of orbs of light coming over the baby, kind of hovering for a bit, separating and then coming back. Almost not rhythmically, but they would just kind of do that throughout the course of this video. So uh, put that up on, on uh, YouTube and was asking for people's feedback. And uh, a lot of people were kind of, uh, you know, intrigued by this. Some people tried to debunk it. Other people were trying to figure it out. And the whole point from her was that there was nothing in the room generating light. The light. So uh, that's that's the first one. It's so. interesting that it's light, too. You're not just talking about, like, a, a little orb or a bubble. Because at that point, you could say, oh, it's just uh, dust, you know, in the room that's floating around. Yeah. Right. Right. But this right. was kind of like light that was descending and ascending. and Exactly. Almost like, yeah, you got to think ghost. Was it a ghost? Was it an angel? Was it, you know, who knows? But, Especially, did the cameras look like they were infrared when, you that's know, a hard, it, in a dark room, yeah. it might pick up something like dust flying over. Yeah flying over the crib yeah it was it was interesting uh looking at the video myself it looked almost not rhythmic but it had shape to it like it would come together and then come back apart and then come back together so that's kind of weird it's not keeping a a consistent shape right it's changing yeah uh much like a laser light show with glow sticks at a rave what (laughs) i love that i digress <laughs> um, the next video was um, this. Uh, now, this story is done through the audio monitors. No video here. We're going old school. Old school. You know, can with a string. <laughs> <laughs> the baby's sick. <laughs> Run into the room. <laughs> Got a Campbell soup can. Um, <laughs> Chicken noodle. Uh, <laughs> somebody said. <laughs> 
It got the extra long string. <laughs> We're good. Um, so the the person on YouTube posted this where they were hearing on the receiving monitor, the parent one, um, the sound of kind of like a music box being played of a little lullaby. Those are creepy as it is. They're cre- yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are. Now, did they own one? Are you- no. Oh, that's even creepier. No. So it's not like it was just malfunctioning and going off. They didn't right. even own one. No, there was no such item in the kid's room. That's the first thing. Second thing is, and this is what I thought at first, was, oh, well, it's picking up some other monitor. They would change the uh, the, uh, the station, because you can change the signal that it's receiving, right. and it would come up no matter what signal they changed. So, in, in other words, it wasn't it just it wasn't picking up somebody else's signal. It was for sure coming from the room, or or for, maybe. So then they'd go in the baby's room. You couldn't hear the music, and then as soon as the music finished playing on the parents' monitor, the baby would actually wake up. So it was very strange, very weird. It's kind of similar to uh, you know, I've I've heard from my clients and and others throughout the years a few different cases of people who live out in the country it's always people who live out in the country no neighbors within like you know uh well pun intended a country mile uh, <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> add that little sound effect in there yeah, I will. anyway some people who live out in the country with no neighbors they report the sound of old-fashioned music and or a music box very softly playing in the background and you know, they, they shut off their TVs, they turn off the radios, they go upstairs, they go downstairs, they go outside, they can't figure out where it's coming from, and then when they settle back into their recliner, they start to hear it again, almost as uh. if like they're hearing a, a sound from a different time. See, that's kind of creepy, because if, if the one you're talking about, Eddie, if they lived, you know, maybe in a neighborhood where there were a bunch of these transmitters that have, you know, if there's other babies in the neighborhood... Maybe if it's a cheap receiver or something and it's bleeding in somehow, no matter what frequency you go to. Maybe. You know, I could kind of see something like that. But in Andy's case, if they're out in the country, there's nobody around. That's yeah. that's kind of weird. Yeah. Or there's a tiny little hillbilly band living inside the monitor. <laughs> oh, no. Or I was going to thought you were going to say like in a mountain near nearby. Yeah. Reminds me of like the the hills have eyes, that, oh, that old horror no. flick. <laughs> Oh, I just pictured a little like a hillbilly jug band in the monitor. <laughs> Let <laughs> us out. <laughs> Blowing on the jug. <laughs> <laughs> that was the instrument I played in high school, by the way. <laughs> was the jug. And the last story, and probably the most terrifying story, was is a video uh, story. And so the father reports seeing, so he's sleeping in the living room. Mama's mad at him. <laughs> so he's sleeping on the couch. <laughs> And um, even paranormal dads can be there sometimes. So he's sleeping on the couch and looks over at the baby monitor, which happened to be running, and saw his baby sleeping in the crib. This story would not be something worth pointing out if his baby wasn't currently sleeping with him on the couch on his chest. And when he sat up to look at the to look at the monitor the baby in on the video looked at the screen and put like the shh gave him a shush with the finger with the finger to his lips i like dropped oh. my phone <laughs> oh heck no <laughs> so scary that no is way. weird yeah that's almost weird. as if like i'm going to say it almost as if it knew it was being watched on the video monitor yeah Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. It's almost like... It's you, like the old lady in Ghostbusters in the library where she, she shushes yeah, everybody. Yeah, 
That was the loudest. I was ever people just be like, but uh, it was, uh, yeah, that, that story, oof, I tell you what. That's weird. Yeah. So submit your terrifying baby monitor stories to paranormaldads <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> I, I actually had a personal encounter that was uh, not not quite, not nearly as creepy, but interesting nonetheless. So it was uh, a couple of years ago. I think our daughter uh, was only about one years old. And we, my wife and I were just hanging out, um, watching a movie or something, and we heard a little commotion. So we turned on the video part of the baby monitor and we see our daughter um, sit up in bed and she whipped her head around to look over to the corner and she put her hand up and she waved and she said hi and then she and then she just immediately laid back down and went back to sleep but it was it was like i said it occurred right after we had heard some commotion on the on the audio part of the monitor yeah but it almost kenzie said it almost sounded like a man's voice or like somebody else's like somebody voice. was talking almost like, like some, an evp or something that's right like somebody was in the room talking that's to her weird. but you know so it kind of freaked us out a little bit and our only conclusion was well whoever whatever it is in the room it must not be malicious or dangerous because she didn't seem too bothered by it you know hi you know night night right back to bed <laughs> we had a similar it doesn't involve a monitor but it involves our child our youngest Gwyneth this is several years ago Shireen's granddad died and he actually willed to Shireen um, that piano that you guys see her teaching piano on all the time that's right. what she's teaching on so we, we a week after this man passed away they kind of cleared some of his stuff out and we took the piano and so she was setting it up in our basement and Gwen at the time was probably about two two years old or so and as soon as that piano got in the house, um, we're downstairs with Gwen kind of playing. And she just stops in the middle of playing, looks down the hallway of our basement and points down it and goes, man, man. And we're like, that's weird. Cool. Uh... <laughs> she did this about two or three more times. Seriously. We go downstairs. We play with her. She would just freeze in the middle of playing, take her pacifier out so she could make sure to scare us properly yeah. and go, man, and then point. And nobody was there. No one was there. Nobody Hall's there. completely empty. Of course, it's a little dark hallway, so it makes it even more creepy. And then to make it, to put a little cherry on top of this, uh, several weeks later, you know, we had had gone without incident. And then one day down in the basement, same scenario. We're playing, playing, playing. Pops her pacifier out, looks down the hallway, looks back at me and goes, man, go. Man, like, go. Like, wow. where, where'd the man where'd go? go? Where, where'd the man go? Oh. And I was like, not only did she point out that he was there, now she's asking why he isn't why there. Why he isn't there. <laughs> so again, maybe it wasn't that bad of a presence to begin with. No, but you know uh, what I mean. It's all, it gives you yeah. willies. It's a Well, it makes you wonder, you know, here are so many stories how pets or kids are so 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 much more susceptible yeah. to that sort of thing than than adults are. You know, oh. it's just gives you oh. chills. Recent sightings. <laughs> We're off to a terrifying start. Stay with us. Strap in. It's time for pop, culture, and the paranormal. All right, next segment. I'm up on this one, guys, Woo-hoo. and uh, it's uh, pop culture and the paranormal. My choice was actually a movie. Uh, called Cloud Atlas. Oh, boy. A movie that came out in, I believe it was October of uh, 2012, so we're talking a relatively uh, recent movie here. Um, I felt like it was sooner than that for some reason. 
Yeah, let's see, October 26, 2012 is wow. when it came out. There we go. I thought it was yeah. new. Oh, well. Uh, and I, I remember seeing it in theaters. I yep. remember watching it and being a little bit confused. It's one of those movies you might want to watch uh, two two times to, to fully get it. But just to give you a synopsis without ruining anything, uh, the movie is about reincarnation. It's about past lives. It's about future lives. And basically, this group of characters, the, the movie stars Tom Hanks and, and Halle Berry, uh, two phenomenal actors, oh, yeah. actresses. Yep. Uh, but the movie uh, takes it has the same characters, so the same core group of, of characters uh, living in different roles, but still in each other's lives, in previous lives, current lifetimes, and ones in the future. Yeah. And it's kind of confusing because basically what you have going on is like five different storylines, five completely different stories taking place in completely different lifetimes. Yeah. And so what they, what they do is they take each story, cut it up into pieces, and then shuffle all of them together like uh, cards in a card deck. Yeah. And so you're watching uh, one storyline from one period of time, and then in the very next scene it jumps to the other storyline that's like 500 years into the future, and then it keeps jumping back and forth between all, this, all these lifetimes. And it took you, uh, me a while to catch on, but I was like, wait a minute tom hanks was just this guy from this other life 200 years ago now he's in the future and he looks different but you can tell it's still him so is our hanks and halle berry are they interacting with each other or are there two parallel storylines going on with- yeah they they interact with each other but it's in different capacities so like in in one uh storyline it, it takes place maybe in like the 1970s yep. uh they're kind of like friends, but in another one that takes place, I think it's either in like in the distant future, like they're speaking a language that's similar to English, but it's not quite English. Whoa. It's like a made up language in the movie. It's really weird. Yeah. But so they, yeah. So sometimes uh, the, the actors are friends in one life, then they will be enemies in the next. Yeah. And then in the next lifetime, they're, you know, quote unquote, repaying back some karma. They're helping out the guy who helped them in the previous life. It's just, it's. In my opinion, it perfectly represents what it must be like to live multiple lifetimes with the same people in different capacities. That's cool. I'm glad you mentioned that. I actually wrote that down. Was What I liked about the movie was that we tend to look at the people who are in our lives now and be like, you were my buddy in a former life. But the reality of it is, I mean, not the reality, but the possibility of it is, is that... Um, you and I may have been enemies in a former life or a bully, you know, mm-hmm. but like you're, you're, you're a person of significance in that person's experience. existence. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that kind of, I like that that movie really just kind of hammered that point home. And the visuals are absolutely stunning. Um, I think the budget uh, from what I was seeing was right around $150 million dollars. They came in pretty close to that, um, but the the visual effects are just out of the out of this world. And I think I you know I, I can't say this for sure. I'd have to look this up, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if that movie won, won uh, best costume design or you know best uh, best costume or wardrobes because I mean the 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 wardrobe changes must have been something else. Yeah, you're I visiting mean, all these different time periods. Yeah, all these different time periods, and like they they had to uh, like put in color changing context to change their eye color. And, oh wow. You know, in some one lifetime they'll look really grungy, and then the next one is really classy, and mm-hmm. it's just it's it's just insane. So it has to do with karma and soul groups and reincarnation, and um, you know the 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 future storyline is um, I won't give it away. It's a little grim, I guess. Uh, you know, as how they depicted humans would evolve and develop into, 
But the ending, there's a little bit of a twist at the very end that I think people will like. I enjoyed it. It's a R rating. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty hard R. There's some pretty uh, graphic violence. Uh, maybe I don't. Maybe even some nudity, some language. It's a, it's an R. It, it had mm-hmm. it all. Yeah, <laughs> it, you, you might not want to have your uh, eight year old kid watch no. it. But um, do you guys know if this is on Netflix or? Uh, I know it's on Amazon. You can get it's it Amazon? on Amazon. Okay. Yeah, Digital, it, it is but, not yeah. on Netflix. Okay. Uh, I can say. I'll check it out. Yeah. Sometimes they'll uh-huh. still play it on HBO or you know Cinemax if you have any of those at home. I recommend it. It's one of those movies for me when you get into some of those like exist. It's easy to look at that movie and go, oh, it's science fiction. Yeah. Because it has, you know, like you said, especially with some of the future stuff. Yeah. Um, there's, spoiler, there's even a part where they're not even on a planet that is Earth anymore. And so the idea is uh, you could look at films like this and just write it, not write it off, but just kind of lump it in with sci-fi, which is maybe fair on some level. But what I like about these types of films when they leave, like you, like this one, The Last Mimsy, if you've seen that. And then also there's one which is heart-crushingly depressing, but still wonderful. It's called AI, done by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's a great but terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> but these these films that have you const- like questioning existence in and of itself, I, I, I love it. Those it. are my favorite types of movies. I mean, my, my top two favorite movies of all time is Contact, you know, which has oh, to I love do that with movie. Yeah. Jodie Foster, yeah. I think 96 that came out yep, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then Avatar is, is another one of my all-time favorites. Again, to, you're contemplating intelligent life on other planets. Yep. But here regarding uh, Cloud Atlas, I actually pulled a quote. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. It has to do with reincarnation and karma and, and how we're all kind of interconnected. And it's in the movie several times. It says... Our lives are not our own. From womb to tomb, we are bound to others, past and present. And by each crime and every kindness, we birth our future. Oh. <laughs> Dang. It's heavy stuff. <laughs> That's true. I Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. It's uh, it's it's worth a watch uh, if you're if you're looking for something fresh and new. I, I I honestly can't think of another movie that's even remotely similar to this one. Acting is uh, phenomenal. Um, even the the lesser known kind of uh, uh, side characters, phenomenal acting. But um, yeah, that language is something else. The language that Halle Berry and Tom oh, Hanks yeah. are speaking to each other. I, I, it's almost like a Swahili English hybrid. It's really bizarre. It, it reminds me a lot of uh, there was a TV show called Firefly that didn't last for, for very long. It was like a sci-fi western, right? Yeah. And they had a mix of English and Japanese. Oh, yeah. And it was or Chinese, Chinese, Chinese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it was such a weird sounding thing because you could recognize it as a language, but then you're like, whoa, whoa. What? it was weird. <laughs> yeah. And they also had a, a lot of like old western type phrases thrown in there into yeah. the mix. Yeah. So it was. It was a good one. It was crazy. Yeah, well, reincarnation uh, is, is one of those subjects that's kind of loosely tied in with with the paranormal, and uh, you know, some people scoff at it or or maybe are neutral because they just don't know much much about it. Um, kind of in line with the the topic, you know, since Cloud Atlas is about uh, reincarnation, there's a, a well documented uh, reincarnation case that's out there. You can you can look this up in books, and and it's uh, backed up with a lot of different sources. Uh, true story, there was a little boy in, uh, <clears throat> I think it was the Golgum Heights region of Syria. It was kind of like right right there by uh, Israel and Syria in the Middle East. And from the time the boy was, uh, you know, three or four years old, he started to talk to his parents about memories that he was having from his previous lifetime. Well, they kind of take that serious in that part of the world since they're fairly open to that concept. 
And so they, they took the boy to the town where he claimed that he was killed in a previous lifetime. He remembered uh, the, the first and last name of, of the alleged killer. So they, they tracked him down in this town that was uh, a ways away from the boy's hometown. And the whole family confronts the alleged killer and he kind of turns white as a ghost and acts really nervous and awkward, but he doesn't initially admit to it. Well, the boy remembered where the murder took place in this previous lifetime. So he took his family there and he pointed down to the ground and he said, if you dig, start digging there, you're going to find a body. So they started digging. They found a body. They found the skeleton remains and it looked like a skull fracture uh, that was right in the forehead, which was consistent with what this boy was reporting because he said he was killed by an axe blow to the forehead. Jeez. Sure enough, the skeleton had a fractured skull. And the boy pointed over, uh, you know, 10 feet in the other direction. He said, you start digging there, you're going to find an axe. And sure enough, they started digging and they, they pulled up the murder weapon. It was an axe that the murderer had buried. So with this newfound evidence, uh, local authorities started to get involved. They went back and they confronted the alleged killer. Now, this had happened like 10 years previous. The boy was, I, I believe, like four years old. So you're talking about like a six-year turnaround. But anyway, they confronted this killer. He he, With all this evidence, he admitted to it. He was tried and convicted in the whole nine yards. So he was oh ratted gosh. out by the guy he killed in a past in the boy's past lifetime. That is crazy. So yeah. it and it's a true story. It was uh, actually documented by a professor known as Dr. Eli Lash, uh, who was a well-known authority. He was uh, he rubbed shoulders with politicians and, and medical people in that area at that time. And I believe uh, Dr. Lash has since passed away, but before he did, and he has other people that can corroborate the story, but he passed along the information to another gentleman, a German guy, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but the German guy took that story and incorporated it into a book uh, on children remembering past lives and reincarnation. So truthfully, that's that's one of about a thousand stories we could talk about that might shed a little bit of validation on reincarnation but i figured cloud atlas was was kind of an appropriate segue because you know it's it's pop culture and it's you know there might be a few other movies that kind of touch on reincarnation but not to the depth and not to the degree that cloud atlas does so check it out if you're looking for a weird flick that's uh, new and fresh and unique i love it and now it's time for the main mystery <laughs> So when I was trying to come up with a main mystery, it was actually a couple of weeks ago when Hurricane Irma is raging through the, the uh, Caribbean. And uh, so I started thinking a lot about the Bermuda Triangle and, oh and thought this could be a good thing to talk about. I love that part. I love this. Oh, this is my wheelhouse. So, uh, yeah, until you're flying over it. <laughs> ah, I don't love it anymore. You know, I've back. actually been there twice. I've, I've flown over it and I have uh, cruised through it. Really? And so you've been I live to it, tell yeah. the tale of the Bermuda Triangle. Go ahead. I actually stood on a ship with the Bare Naked Ladies and, and a bunch of other of my favorite bands. So that was kind of weird. But uh, <laughs> And that was in the Bermuda Triangle? That was in the You're Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, we, we went down to, uh, left Miami, went down to uh, Jamaica. So, you know, we kind of clipped it, but... It, it's funny because the Bermuda Triangle changes depending on who makes the map. But in for the most part, it, it goes from Miami, Florida or Florida 
down to Bermuda and over to Puerto Rico, I believe, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Puerto Rico. So, so it covers anywhere from half a million to 1.5 million square miles of ocean. So there's a lot of space there. Uh, it's just amazing how huge this planet is when you really think about it. Yeah. But uh, at any rate, uh, the Bermuda Triangle uh, has been kind of been known to uh, make ships disappear, makes airplanes disappear. They've had over, depending on who you talk to, anywhere from a thousand to three thousand different ships have have disappeared. In you know quote-unquote, into thin air. That's a lot of ships. That's a lot of ships. Holy ship. Holy. But, but we're, I mean, we're even going back into probably the 1800s is when this first kind of started uh, being a thing. Um, back then, they used to call it the Devil's Triangle, and a lot of the action back then was around the island of Bermuda. And if you look at some of the, uh, the geography around that island, especially under the ocean, uh, a lot of very deep, canyons uh, basically they say bermuda is almost like on the top of a mountain out in the middle of the ocean and there's just like steep drop-offs like five miles down you know not very far off the coast of bermuda so it's just kind of a, a crazy layout that they have uh, currents that rush through there uh, at incredible speeds and so if, if a ship or a plane did break up uh the wreckage is strewn over you know thousands of miles and you know it makes sense that you never, never find, find anything right yeah well and, and I, from what i've gathered a lot of the uh what makes this phenomena even more weird is that a lot of the ships or planes that go missing there's not even a distress call like hey we're in trouble or hey i've lost engine or you know we're having a problem with the propeller like nothing they just there's no distress call they're just gone yeah many of them are like that yeah other times you know they might have something going on with them but it's it's not something like there's an alien coming to pick up my ship or (laughs) you know it's like some kind of a weird like i got a battery problem with my plane you know i'm gonna circle here for a little while see if i can work it out you know it's just kind of you know, uh, a problem on the side you wouldn't think would be a big deal. Uh, some of, some of the other ones are a little more extreme, like they're they lose their instruments in in the in the when you're talking about a plane or even ships, their their compasses just start spinning. You know, a lot of strange uh, magnetic forces uh, seem to go on there. Bigfoot flies by in a biplane. <laughs> like, like the Red Baron. <laughs> exactly. I've always so it spans between it, the the three points on the triangle are that you know the tip of Florida, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico. Why is it called the Bermuda Triangle? It's like it could be called the Puerto Rican Triangle or the Florida Triangle, but Bermuda had to hog the spotlight. Exactly. It's a right. total tourist thing too. The, you know, the, the like, Florida Triangle is a wrestling move. <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah, you know, it makes you wonder if it was the. Bermuda Tourist Bureau that came up with that. Hey, let's call it the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, we got dibs on this. <laughs> the guy comes in with the, like dark glasses and a cigar. It's called Satan's Triangle. We gotta change. We gotta rebrand it right now. <laughs> Give me something snappy, quick. Bermuda Triangle, you're hired. <laughs> but, but some some t-shirts. Sorry. Some some of the some of the things that um, seem to cause the problems there. Um, our extreme weather, of course, you know, look at Hurricane Irma. Rare magnetic anomalies, instruments go out on planes and ships. 
one of the big theories is methane hydrate gas bubbles oh, that yeah. rise up from the bottom of the ocean and basically remove all the buoyancy for the ships and they just are overcome by water and they just drop. So when the bubble hits the surface, it basically like causes the sh- it like caves in the water at the surface, and the ship's just immediately sink, right? Right. Or or the ship might tip, and and water will pour over the side, and and you know it, it just goes under. It sucks it right down. Right. Um, this, it, it, that can mess with planes too, even. Like, yeah, they removes... they said that is mostly in like cases where planes are flying very low. Yeah. You know, like maybe a thousand feet or something like that so if you're in an airliner at 30,000 feet you you're, know, not gonna you're, you're, you're not gonna see that but um, but yeah there are some good documentaries out there where they kind of go behind the science of how these gas bubbles can even affect planes mm. um, so it like shoots a column of methane you know a thousand feet into the air and if you hit it your plane just it's like turbulent beyond belief basically and well I think it well, also somehow it will pilots black out. That's it it disorients the pilots, yeah, like, and, mm, and um, you're you're slumped over. The well, it's like Sorry. basically a fart from the earth, exactly. <laughs> shooting up into the air. <laughs> What's that smell? Oh, hit a methane bubble. It wasn't me. <laughs> Not to make light of it, because I mean, I don't. I've never flown through it, but if I ever do, I'm gonna be a little bit. I'm a little bit, a little bit nervy. Let's fly a little high. Yeah, you, let's fly higher. You know, it's funny. I I didn't even. I don't even think think i thought about it when we flew over there but yeah you're you know, just too excited to see the bare naked ladies on your yeah. cruise ship yeah. <laughs> yeah as you crash you're like he who smelt it dealt it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry again well, <laughs> i'm not sorry <laughs> but another theory people have are they call them rogue waves where oh, uh yeah. it's it's just almost kind of like a single wave but it's it's huge it's like 100 feet high and it just pours over the side of the ship and, and can take it out and they seem to blame some of the more famous wrecks on something like that, where yeah. where just a single wave can take out a ship. And what and are they saying cause rogue waves? Is it like a tsunami thing, or is it like an earthquake, like a mini quake? Or I what think it's it? a quake below the surface, actually. Yeah, I think it has to do with earthquakes. Um, they, they do get into the science a lot in, in some of these documentaries I've seen. And off the top of my head, you know, I didn't really no, you're fine. Go, go into the nuts and bolts of how these things actually work. But they actually have labs uh, around the country where scientists actually study this kind of stuff. They'll have a huge tank of water, and they'll come up with their theories, and they'll cause you know some kind of commotion at a certain level of the water in in the pool. And they actually have like a plastic ship floating up at the top, and you'll watch the ships just sink to the ground. You know, <laughs> with the so, tiny hillbilly band on them. That'd be an awesome job, <laughs> though, wouldn't it? Let me think of a way we can sink this ship. I know, right? I'm jealous of those jobs. Oh, that'd be awesome. Anyway, um, so probably one of the most famous disappearances we should talk about is Flight 19. Yeah, I was hoping you'd bring up Flight 19. <laughs> That's the newer one, isn't Spooky it? That's stuff. The... No, well, this no, it this is this forty. I mean, five, was it forty-five? Nineteen forty-five. Yeah, this 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 was after World War Two, um, and. Uh, December 5th of 1945. And so what it involved was uh, five Avenger torpedo bombers. These are, you know, military airplanes of the of the time period. And World War II was over. These are a group of naval aviators hanging out, um, you know, on the coast of Florida. Um, 
a lot of them are getting ready to leave service and go on to their lives. You know, they got family waiting for them at home. Uh, a lot of them still live right on the coast of Florida with, with their families or their wives. And they're just kind of almost biding their time to get out of the service. You know, the war was over. Uh, people were starting to let their guard down, but they still went out and they practiced doing bombing run, runs and things like that. And, and Flight 19 was a training run, correct? It, it was. They were headed out that afternoon. It was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon when they went out. And they were um, going out to a place called Chicken Shoals that they were going to do a little bombing run. Sounds delicious. For about, yeah. <laughs> for about 20 minutes, drop some bombs. Then uh, they were to execute a turn and come back to uh, Fort Lauderdale, where they came from. All in all, it was supposed to take uh, probably about a two-hour trip and uh, turned into a trip that lasted probably about five hours over the radio uh, until they were never heard from again after that last transmission, never found either. Were they were they calling in? Were they calling back to, uh, you know, Houston? We have a problem. <laughs> we're disoriented. We don't know where we're at. Was yeah. it was it one of these cases? Yeah. Well, the leader uh, was a commander. His name was Charles Taylor, and he uh, he radioed in after their bombing run. They made it out. Did did the bombing run fine? And he started radioing in that his his compasses. He had two compasses, and they were both freaking out. He didn't know where he was. He, they basically were lost. Hmm. And they were trying to figure out back uh, in Florida, okay, where are these guys? And so they would ask him questions. And he, he was sounding very uh, confused, very disoriented, uh, basically very scared that I don't know where I'm at. And... As they asked him questions over time, he started saying, I believe I'm over the Florida Keys, which is completely not where they were supposed to be. And so for it's kind of ironic. One of the parts of this training mission they were going out on was um, kind of like upper level orienteering or compass, you know, compass tracking or, you know, I don't know the proper phrase for it, but they were basically... Uh, getting the advanced course of how to figure out where you are, oh. and, and they're completely lost. Oh my god! When both compasses misfired, so let's assume maybe one was the instrumentation on the airplane itself, but I'm guessing as a backup, you may have had like a little handheld compass that was not a part of the plane at all. So if both of them were malfunctioning. What you have there is an electromagnetic anomaly, right? Basically, and and the strange thing is though too. There were other pilots in the group that were saying, hey, my compass is working. Why don't I take the lead? This commander would not allow it. Uh, and and when, you're, when you're in the military, what the commander says goes. Yeah. So Those poor guys. Nobody decided, you know what? My compass is working. I'm going to turn around. I'm going back to Florida. They, 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 followed, they followed the leader. They followed the orders. I will fly to the mouth and of Satan you, himself before I break. <laughs> you know, the you, you can read the transcripts of the communication between the shore and the airplanes. And the guys on the shore were losing their radio connection. And then they'd have them execute a turn and the radio signals were getting stronger. So they could tell they were coming towards them. You know, they wanted them to keep coming towards them. And in this guy's mind, this Charles Taylor... 
he's he's like no i swear i got to be going the other way and he'd turn him around again and the signal would get weaker uh, so you know just stubborn so it pride. was almost uh, stubbornness that probably killed these guys well and you know as the other guys who were just following orders uh they probably thought they were going to survive the ordeal i mean why would they think oh this is uh you know this is life-threatening so of course you know they would have followed orders because had they you know went their own way and got back safely they would have been fired or court-martialed or whatever you call it yeah yeah, definitely but so no wreckage found at all so about seven o'clock or so um they were talking on the radio and the procedure is when one plane goes down everybody else follows which is just to me that's kind of crazy but it kind of makes a bit of sense because it's easier to find five planes that have crashed in the water than it is to find one plane because you're looking for at for a bigger you know wreckage field basically so fly your plane into the water so so the the commander gave the order that when the whoever has the lowest amount of gas when you get down to 10 gallons of gas we're all going to go into the drink together i'm sorry which is just <laughs> no, crazy. no way but apparently that's you know standard operating procedure for these guys at that point i would break rank and yeah, i would go my I, own I, way i'll see I'd you in like, jail i'm sorry and they they interviewed some people about this and and you know it's one of those things you almost have to be there but guys who were there at the time but they were on the the shore and they're like you know i was a pilot and if i was out there with those guys i would have turned back and come back you know right if if, but you know it's just kind of crazy but because you get it takes some time to get people out there and by then they're just kind of bobbing in the water and it's it's kind of like when you're looking for a person out in the ocean Basically, all they're looking for is something the size of a volleyball. It's like your head. You know? right. That's all they can see. Because you got everything else is under the water. <laughs> so just imagine being out there and, and uh, hoping someone is going to find you. Now, they sent, they sent a search party out, though. They did. Uh, to, to look for the five And that's where that things down. get a little stranger. Because one of the things they sent out was this... Uh, they basically call it a uh, a fuel flying fuel tank you know it's this plane where uh a flying gas tank i think they call it sounds safe yeah <laughs> what but, could go wrong but it was a plane designed to go out and and do, conduct these types of searches and so he he went out and went out a, the strange thing is they don't know exactly where they went down but he took his best guess and went out there he made a few radio contacts and was never heard from again. He got lost too? He was gone too. A crew of 13 on that plane. Vanished. So there were 14 guys in the original five planes. And now another 13 have gone out. And they're gone. And a ship that was out in the area reported seeing an explosion in the sky. And they believed that might be what happened to the flying gas tank. Why would it have blown up in the sky? Well, I, I guess it had some mechanical uh, mechanical attributes about that type of plane where it wasn't common that there could be problems, there could be fires and things like that on board. You know what it is? They had some gomer pile on there on a flying gas tank. I'm going to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Smoke them if you got them, boys. <laughs> you yeah, got them. They were called like that. Martin PBM Mariner Flying Boats is what the A flying those. boat. 
but they were called gas gas tanks. Again, we're we're not making light of the the situation. That's that's serious stuff. And you know, all the people who lost their lives, you, your heart has to go out to them. You know, it's fine. I never heard that angle about the 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 guy and everyone else was just following suit. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's so weird to me. There, there's even rumors like he he actually survived. And, uh, conspiracy and, theories. And, yeah, conspiracy theories where you'll hear one where he survived. He ended up on an island someplace and married an island girl and just stayed there because he was afraid of getting court-martialed. And well, you also hear those conspiracy know. theories and rumors about Amelia Earhart because no one knows where her plane went down. And some people say, "Oh, she's you know she lived for like twenty more years on some island with the natives." And yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird stuff. I mean, that works, it does get hard. So you land on a paradise island and there's a, there is a food supply and stuff. You're like, nah, maybe I'll stay dead. As long as you, as long as you yourself are not the food supply. Exactly. Yeah, cannibalistic <laughs> island. <laughs> now, I'm not sure where the story came from, but after, you know, in the aftermath of all this, somebody was interviewed, and I don't know if they were from the military or if it was a reporter, but uh, or if they were a witness, but they said it was as if they went to Mars. And so guess where that all went? That that's where all the alien abduction and UFO Is that where that came abductions from? come from? It's like it is it was as if they went to Mars. So then and so now people are thinking, Oh, it was the aliens took them. I thought that there were people who did report seeing strange lights around Bermuda, or is that just another extension? It of is, kind of yeah. Thing? That's p- part of the really part of the region. That. You know, that's one of the things you hear are stories about that. Oh, and, and of course, Steven Spielberg didn't help with Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You know, the very first scene of that movie is guys going into uh, the desert, I believe it was down in Mexico. Yeah. And they find Flight 19 in yeah. pristine condition, all lined up on right. this, you know, desert floor. Yeah. And uh, people around. And, and, they, and the guys, the pilots, are later Yeah, the on witnesses time. basically say it. Showed the sun up. came out last night. It sang to us, you know. Yeah. And uh, and la- yeah, later later on, the pilots are aboard the spaceship that comes down at Devil's Tower, Wyoming. Yep. So <laughs> such a good movie. Talk about movies. Oh, that's an awesome movie. I love Should that watch movie. that one again. Although Richard Dreyfuss, really intense. He he was, but I thought I thought he was great. In yeah. That movie. No, I agree. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean that was Flight 19. Probably you can't have a discussion about Bermuda Triangle without Flight 19. It's probably the most famous disappearance. Um, the most recent flight. This is where I'm going to fall apart, guys. I don't know. The guy. <laughs> the most recent, like it was a commercial flight. It was like an Air Asia or something like that. Remember that a few years ago, maybe like five or six years ago. It was like a pretty big deal disappeared over the ocean yeah, yeah. and there's no more wreckage. than one of them. oh yeah it's very lost like like yeah. no wreckage found mm-hmm. no but that was more this... over asia wasn't it was or there's, there's australia two of them. or someplace there was at least two of them that happened in pretty quick succession correct yeah. like within a year and they they still to this day never found that plane but i don't, I don't remember where it was at i don't think i don't know I, if it was i, in I the don't plane. know if they've even found any wreckage of it i they, believe they, they gave up yeah, but again, but, there was conspiracy theories. Oh, it, it landed on this island, you know, this yeah. lesser-known island. And it was going to be used for terrorism right, and things like terrorism that. And, yeah, which <clears throat> I was just curious. Well, hey, Pat, do you have any mention in your notes there of? Uh, I watched a documentary a few years back, and there was a true story of this guy who was flying through the Bermuda Triangle and his plane got enveloped by the electronic fog. You got some notes right. on that? Yeah. Uh, that was a story about Bruce Gernon and his father. They took off from Androstown Airport, which is a, uh, a 
a little island in the Bahamas. Hmm. And on December 4th, 1970, they were flying a small, smaller airplane, uh, took off, and there was like a, this, it's called a lenticular cloud, but it was like 60,000 feet high, so it was not a cloud they could fly over. Wow. And um, they were trying to get around it, and then they up ahead of them, they see this kind of weird looking cloud. It was almost like it was a tunnel. And so it was almost donut shaped, you know? So you had cloud on the outside and then there's this opening. Delicious oh, filling. But they had no... Was it the Bavarian cream filled kind or was it <laughs> the pudding? Welcome to the pudding So cloud. they really didn't have a, a choice but to try to go down the middle of it where they could actually, you know, see through these clouds. And um, they go off down uh, the tunnel, as it were. And as they get in there uh i believe he starts having some strange things going on with his instruments you know kind of like uh the compass not working things like that um and then um as they go along the tunnel starts to collapse on them so the hole is like getting smaller oh it's so, like indiana jones when the when the door when the yeah, door's closing the door's and closing. you gotta reach in and, and grab your hat so real he's quick. like gunning it with that plane trying oh. to get through this cloud before the door closes. And what's the worst that would happen, though? I guess it's just a cloud. He was going to find out. Well, yeah, he doesn't. He he also probably wouldn't be able to see. And you know, I don't know if he was using visual flight rules or, or what. But he uh, he he makes it through this this tunnel. But as they're coming through it, he says it it was almost like the colors change. Like he's seeing like black and white, and he's almost seeing like a. Uh, kind of like a vortex kind of almost like a checkered board kind of thing going on he said it was like spinning around him almost like uh if you were inside of a barrel and it was yeah, just spinning yeah. circles around you yeah 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 there's like a spinning motion to it too you know it was just really weird and so he was calling um you know air traffic control saying hey i'm having some problems here you know can you can you get a heading on me and he says, I'm about at this place, you know, and he's, he's giving him a location back by the Bahamas. And they tell him he's over Miami. So, Whoa. So, so he took off and he was taking a trip that normally takes, uh, I think it was about 75 minutes. And he did that trip in 47 minutes. And he'd done that trip many times before and it took close to an hour and a half. And he did it in 45 minutes. And the plane can only go so fast. I right. mean, it's not like on these previous flights, he, he just had the plane in second gear. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's it, this is math that doesn't check out. And so this guy is just completely confused. How did he get over Miami so quickly? And he spent the better part of his life now, he's even written a book about it, um, trying to figure out what happened to him. You know, he and he's totally open to... Um, you know, people think I'm nuts, but this is this is what happened to me. He said it was almost like you could see the fabric of time as you're going through these clouds. And then he gets through and he's somewhere where he doesn't think he should be. It's crazy. You know, at an impossible time for him to be there. It's crazy it was only minutes and he didn't like spit out into, you know, 1999. And we're like, what <laughs> Those are stories for future podcasts because there are stories <laughs> like that as well. And there's so, no real conventional, like no one's really had figured this out quite yet. And yeah, I mean, some people even point to the possibility that, you know, it, it was some kind of a time vortex that he went through, which is just, you know, astonishing to think about. But, um, you know, and then, of course, there's 
people who like you know this guy's off his rocker he's yeah, lying there's there's no way but uh you know who knows but uh, you know like andy said that's probably one of the more popular stories that come up in the fabled bermuda triangle stories because this thing is just bizarre it's like it's like the weird cousin to some of those missing time cases you hear of you know people see a strange light in the sky and you wake up in a field in your car and you're not sure how you get there and it's three hours later it's kind of like the opposite of that this guy like traveled like four like time sped up or like he he experienced it differently or you know because either that or his plane magically got you know 75 percent faster and got him to his destination quicker than ever which is not likely even if the wind's at your tail they probably factored that it, the right. math still doesn't check out yeah. how he got there so quickly. Right. And there, there was one story I heard about where it was more of like a commercial flight. I don't think it was a, you know, like a huge plane. And I believe this one was back in the fifties sometime, or maybe in the sixties where a flight landed on an Island and everybody's watch was off by 10 minutes wow. and nobody could figure out why, where did this 10 minutes go? Because the clock at the airport, which was right, said one time and everybody else who stepped off that plane their watches said something different which is really kind of weird whoa that's amazing it wasn't like the clock at the airport was wrong it was the correct time and everybody's watch everybody independently was their missing were 10 minutes on their watch did anybody miss their connecting flight? and and <laughs> and that goes back to me thinking about the magnetic stuff going on you know maybe something was playing with the watches on that flight and you know, everybody's watch was off because they went through some kind of a an area where there's something going on with, you know, the magnetism. Um, you know, they, they say solar flares can cause things like that. That's one of the theories that they're investigating. So the Bermuda Triangle is a thief. It stole 10 minutes. Right. I can just picture one of the guys, one of the eccentric guys like Eddie, running up to the shoreline and screaming at the ocean with his fist in the air, Give me back my ten minutes! <laughs> you know me too I well, sir. <laughs> ten minutes back. I want my ten minutes! But, uh, you know, like we, we talked about before, methane hydrate gas bubbles is another very common uh, theory. Um, um, there's other things that go on, uh, like the, the canyons around the the island five miles deep in extreme depths um well it just makes the weather change really quickly like yeah. freakishly oh, yeah. quickly doesn't the temperature yeah. get kind of crazy yeah. too in a weird way and and they say if you are taking a boat out around bermuda you better know what you're doing because the t- like you say the weather can change on a dime and if you don't know where you're going what you're doing out there you can get into trouble very fast and i would imagine that's why so many ships have disappeared is it's just that people go out they don't know what they're doing they get hit with something yeah. they can't handle and they're gone mm-hmm. they need to bring along an ample uh, an ample crew load of pretty mamas as well from the beach boys <laughs> 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 moral of the story is if you're going to be flying over the bermuda triangle bring a parachute if you're going to be on a boat cruising through it bring a life jacket and uh and a watch a couple yeah. watches a couple yeah. watches yeah and maybe a gps a <laughs> <laughs> bunch of batteries <laughs> but as always, if you have comments or feedback or uh, anything to share with us revolve, involving uh, baby monitors or Cloud Atlas movie or the Bermuda Triangle, get a hold of us, uh, paranormaldads at gmail.com. Where else can you find us, guys? You can find us on Facebook at Paranormal Dads, or you can also find us on Twitter at Paranormal Dads. Um, 
Also want to comment about uh, iTunes. If you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, we'd appreciate it. While you're there, drop us a review. One of the Bix did just that. We thank you for your kind words. Listener comments help us improve the show and focus on topics that interest you. Thank you all for listening to the Paranormal Dads podcast. Eddie, any final words? Also, most sound effects heard on the Paranormal Dads podcast are courtesy of freesound.org. A complete list of this episode's free sounds contributors can be found in the show notes at paranormaldads.podbean.com. Browse, download, and share sounds. Share sounds. Share sounds. At On the seashore. Share sounds at freesounds.org. That's a Sean Connery version. Thank you for listening. Share sounds, Paranormal Dad. Yeah. Amen. Amen.